podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The intro of A View from the Bridge podcast is sponsored by McAllister's Moaning Corporation Limited. This is A View From The Bridge, an official podcast of the Belfast Giants for KingdomOfTheGiants.com. Today is Thursday, the 24th of October 2013, and my name, you all know, is Patrick Smith. Welcome to the show, guys. And before I start, we know we're a day late, but hey, there's a lot of news to cover. If you haven't heard the news about Jim Gillespie being inducted to the the British Hockey Hall of Fame, I recommend you go back to www.kingdomofthegiants.com forward slash podcast and check out our show from earlier today where we talked to Todd Kelman and Mike Appleton of the uh, Ice Hockey Journalist UK Association about Jim Gillespie being given a fantastic tribute and being placed into the British Hockey Hall of Fame. Outside of that, there's lots of news to cover today. If you want to get in touch with us here on A View From The Bridge, you can drop us an email at podcast at kingdomofthegiants.com. Go to Twitter at AVFTB or the website www.kingdomofthegiants.com forward slash podcast. Let's get on with the show. The bit where Paddy introduces Davy and Coach is sponsored by Sarah McFarland Solicitors Limited. Plenty to talk about, as always. A uh, couple of games to talk about, but let's introduce the gentleman first. First up, a guy who had to take a break from the last uh, podcast uh, because he was getting absolutely plastered. But uh, we're here to give him a leg up. It's uh, Davey with Jimsey. You right, mate? Hello. <laughs> he's free. He's released. How's the leg? Ah, gets a bit sore, mate, but rare to go. And also uh, a man who's back on our waves as a uh, school commentator this weekend on Friday night against the Nottingham Panthers. It's Giants Live TV's own uh, Neil the Coach Russell. Right, sir? Evening, Patrick. Gentlemen, um, pretty eventful game in Cardiff, but maybe not for the result, but for other talking points. But we'll start with the result. A 2-1 win. Um, we, we talked last week about how in crisis, maybe it was put uh, that the uh, the Cardiff Devils were with regards to Jared Adams stepping off the bench, uh, Phil Hill being out. There being no replacement in as yet, despite that. Brent Pope joining um, Jared Adams. Jared Adams on the uh, on the bench uh, to maybe try to change things up. The Giants went in. We were all very hopeful. I think that Murph last week talked about how it could be a you know a massive score for the Giants, but it wasn't. It was a Cardiff were really gutsy in the game, coach, and it was only it was only a two one win. Yeah, I watched it on the on the webcast, and uh, I was actually impressed with with Cardiff because I actually thought it was a very good game of hockey. Belfast played well uh, as well, but um, you know I know we talked about it last week and the strange move of releasing Phil Hill, Jared Adams going onto the bench, and you know I think nearly every person involved in UK hockey just were looking perplexed at it, and I think we all kind of felt that it was going to be you know maybe a four or five nil victory for for the Giants and Cardiff really impressed me. They they worked incredibly hard. They 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 work for each other, and sometimes that happens. Sometimes that galvanizes a team when you know you're you're one or two players down, and it was a it was a tough physical uh, encounter, and uh, you know the Giants have come out in the right side of it with two points, and that's the most important thing. We've played there three times now, and and walked away with the points each time. It, the score didn't open until the second period with a penalty shot for for Kevin Surrett. Um the second goal was uh, Jeffrey Swears, which turned out to be the game-winning goal. Another game-winning goal for for Jeffrey Swears and Andrew Lord scoring short-handed um, against the Giants. Uh, Davy, but the real talking point came when Adam Keefe was kicked from the game for uh, a hit on um, Andrew Conboy, which was deemed as a check to the head. Now that's subsequently been downgraded from a check to the head on review, and he's been given a four-game suspension for charging. But it generated a hell of a lot of debate over those couple of days when when the video was out there. Yeah, look, credit to Adam Keefe. You got a great interview with him on Sunday night, mm. and and once again he's been honest enough to say, look. What's happened's happened. Probably the responsibility on him in that position is not to make that hit. Conboy might not be able to see him coming. Um, I was listening to Mickey Redmond last night um, commentating the Red Wings game, and he was saying about it's happening more and more in the NHL, these type of sort of half-blind side hits, hits into the boards. Players are so much faster, so much more physical than they've been in the past, and it's now up to players 
to look after the other players. You can't just go out there and score set, you know. These hits are, are probably more dangerous than fights now, and it's up the likes of Morty Hansen and Brendan Shanahan to put big fines up, to put big bans up, and I think they've got the ban about right. And Keith Fluke, he's put his hands up and he said, Conboy will probably want to call me out, centre ice, fair enough, let's, we'll sort it out that way. And he more or less apologised for, for what was a bad hit. Coach? Uh, when I first when I first watched it on the webcast, I instantly thought, "Oh dear, this is a long ban on its way." And thankfully, the webcast, the Cardiff webcast, did a lot of slow mo replays. And almost inside the first viewing of of the of the replay, I was able to say, "I definitely wasn't a head hit or a head check." And um, you know, it, it was a silly play by Kiefer. You know, it was blindside, side on, Conboy's head was slightly down. You know, it was a silly play, but it was, we, we have seen enough of Adam Keefe over the last three seasons to say that Kiefer is not, he's not a headhunter, pardon the pun. He's not someone that would ever go out to, to injure somebody. And, you know, he's an old school type hockey player. And, you know, we kind of intimated in that really good interview that you did with him on Sunday night. You know, the, the hockey world has changed. Things have, uh, the physical side of the game has changed and uh you know you're having to play that wee bit smarter um nowadays than 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 previously and listen it wasn't a great hit he's got his ban he sucked it up he's admitted um responsibility for it and you know he's done the he's done the crime and he's now doing the time and the thing from our perspective Paddy is he's missing massive games like we narrowly lost the Sheffield 2-1 on Sunday night and you know he's missing now on Friday night against uh, the Nottingham Panthers. These are these are games that we need, Adam Keith. And I know I talked about it, and I asked Murph from the podcast last week about fighting in hockey and fighting over here in the Elite League. It just seems to have almost disappeared. The two tough guys, you know, don't like each other. You know, one's maybe playing a wee bit over physical, and you know, there seems to be none of this. You want to go square off, drop the gloves, square off. It seems to be there more and more. Dirty hits, stamps, slashes, dangerous, dangerous things are creeping into the game, and I just wish kind of Keith and Keith had seen Conboy. You knew, one thing you can be sure of: Keith will have, will have known that it was Conboy that he was going to hit, and I just wish sometimes the guys would just square off and just drop the mitts and go. You spoke. You both of you have mentioned it. The, the chance I got to speak with Adam Keith after the Sheffield game on Sunday. So what I'll do is I'll I'll play here. What I asked Adam was just for his uh, his comments on the suspension. Um, I think uh, Moore has been doing a good job this year, and he's been fairly consistent. Uh, um, I don't believe the check was. A, he got it right. It wasn't a, a head check. Uh, I didn't. My elbow didn't come up till after the hit, and uh, it's one of those things where I guess um, this. Today's day and age, um, you, you're not supposed to finish that hit. Um, the guy's not looking. Um, whether or not he has his head down or not, uh, um, the way the, the hockey world is going these days, uh, they want to eliminate those hits, and uh, the onus is on me um, to not make that hit. Uh, you know, at the same time, it's it's tough to make that judgment call in a split second when when uh, I'm taught all the way up to finish every single hit on the ice and uh, you know it's unfortunate and I hope uh, Andrew's alright and and uh, I'm sure we'll settle our differences uh, when the time comes but um, you know I just gotta uh, respect the league's decision and and uh, get through these next four games and, and come back uh, ready to go yeah, very pragmatic and very, you know, he's very uh, apologetic for parts of it. But he makes a really good point, the fact that you're, you're, you're taught to finish your checks. You're taught to, you know, to get in there and, 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 that's, and that's part of the game. I think, Coach, the, the, the real problem is that it was just a bad situation. I think the, the, the response was well overblown. There were talks of you know ten games, twenty games, thirty game suspension plus a week for every every game that Conboy misses. You know what really spoke to me from the video though was the response of everybody else on the ice. The game continued on for a good maybe ten, twenty seconds, with nobody coming anywhere near Adam Keefe uh, until the whistle had went with Conboy being down on the ground, the whistle had went, and only then did Rupert Quiney come off the bench to get at Keefe. Nobody else, just Quiney came off the bench to get at Keefe. And then 
all the uh, all the all the the penalties were handed out. It, a strange situation, but that spoke volumes to me that maybe it wasn't as bad as a lot of people were shouting about. The first thing I would say, and you know, Kiefer's right, and I love that side of um, Adam Kiefer and those types of players. Every check should be finished. You know, we we sometimes give other players a a bit of a hard time for kind of not finishing their checks, and that's something I love about Kiefer. But let's be brutally honest about it. Let's take our rose-tinted specs off. Kiefer was coming in on the blind side of Conboy. You know, it wasn't a great angle. You know, it was asking for trouble, in my opinion, finishing that check. Um, and you're right, the Cardiff Devils fans, you know what? I, I know a few Cardiff Devils fans, and they're incredibly passionate about their club. And listen, we have as many fans as they do. That, that sometimes uh, wax lyrical about you know other teams players and they should be banned and they should be banned and uh, th- there was an overreaction to it and you know there was one card fan who I interact with quite a bit on, t- on Twitter who who was going absolutely off his head about that you know Keith should be thrown out of the league and and all the rest and, and one we got to see the video and you know I said him slow it right down pause it at the at the head you know he kept on saying oh he led with his elbow and all the rest see once you slowed it down you could clearly see that Keith did not lead with the elbow the elbow came through post hit and it was not a head check and you know those types of guys then retract and said it was still a bad hit and it was a bad hit but it definitely wasn't a check the head Maury Hansen got it right and I think most Devils fans will agree that it was not as bad as everyone probably initially thought. Davey, there was a, a we'll not we'll not level this directly at Devils fans as well. There was actually some incredible calls from some Belfast fans saying that Keith had let the side down and that he should be stripped of the captaincy for what he did. A bit overboard. Rubbish. You know, this hit was made with a professional athlete probably skating almost as fast as he can go. There is only split split milliseconds to make the right and wrong decision. And in that two yards before he hit Convoy, he could probably have juked out of the check. He didn't. He decided to go through with it. That's nothing more and nothing less than a bad hit. Coach is right. Look, these guys have been brought up being taught to always finish their checks, but the game is changing. There's no doubt about it. And as, as the years progress here, these kind of hits will not happen in the game because people will be facing long suspensions. And the next time Adam Keith. Is put, has puts himself in that position. He'll already be a yard, saying, "I'm not, I'm not going in that check. I've, I've been punished for this before." All he can do is learn his lesson here. Saying strip, strip him of the captaincies, absolute nonsense. Look, this guy. It's already we spoke about it <coughs> in previous weeks. He is the heartbeat of this club, and I would rather have a player that plays on the edge and knows where that edge is than somebody that never gets to it. You know, he he's just a player that. He is that good, but he's also always has that potential to sometimes just ever so slightly creep over the line. And both times that he's done it this season, he's been censured for it. He's taken it like a man, and he said, "Let's move on." And that's what the club should do, and we should be supporting him rather than castigating him. Couldn't couldn't agree more, David. A hundred percent agree on on everything that you say. You know, I I do think that that you know it was charging. You know, I, I saw Brent Shanahan, one of the I can't remember who it was. One of the NHL boys getting uh, getting done for uh, for boarding the other day, and it was a bad hit. And you know he kind of slowed it right down, and it's brilliant to see. And you know I kind of instantly related to the Adam Keefe hit with Conboy. You know he he came at Conboy from a right distance, so he could have you know adjusted his skates to kind of slow down the hit, but he didn't. He went right through with the head and the charge. You know my worry from this is. That Adam Keefe has now come up, he's made two bad hits this season, and he's taken, what is it, two four-game bans, is it, am I right in saying? And I just hope it doesn't change Keefer's game. Davey's 100% right. There's a thin line between aggression and over-aggression, and you step over that line, you all of a sudden find a, a four, five, six-game ban um, level uh, levied at you. I just hope it doesn't change Adam Keefe's game because he is a game changer for us and his physical play is a large part of Adam Keefe's game and he's just got to be that wee bit smarter with uh, with what he does finish and, and the angle at which he's hitting at. If I can just jump in, Coach, um, essentially this is you know this is the Kingdom of Giants podcast here and it was on the Kingdom of Giants today reading um, the thread about Keefe's ban and someone had put an interesting comment about, you know, 
um, is is Keith fine for this or the Belfast Giants fine for this? You know, should the player lose some salary over this? And I'm not suggesting for one minute that they do because at this at this spectrum that these players play at, you know, they're not financially mega rewarded for it. However, you know, in the NHL, when these guys get banned for X amount of games, you know, their salary sacrificing hundreds of thousands of dollars, and it's something else that just to put in their mind here: you make this hit, you're not getting paid for a fortnight here. You know, just to keep the players a bit more honest on the ice and. It's just something going forward that maybe Maury Hansen you'll see coming in. It just depends on contracts and I suppose all around the league. You see, that type of thing I agree with with regards to things like, let's use the same guy, uh, Andrew Conboy, for what he did on the official. Um, that oh, I can't remember who they were playing. Was it Hull or Fife or something like that? And you know he, lay, he laid into the official. Like the, If there's a fine associated with that, then con- that's coming out of Conboy's pocket that's just gross negligence on his part in my opinion likes of adam keith's hit there yes he's responsible of course you're responsible for for every hit that you make but you know those types of things are very very thin lines if conboy had just lifted his head slightly or just slightly adjusted his his body all of a sudden it becomes a good clean mid-ice hit but he doesn't uh, and you're right uh, these things these things happen so so quickly and i wouldn't cast to get someone like keith fully for for that type of thing, Whereas, it's maybe just like for a bit of discussion. Boy. It's maybe just a bit of discussion our followers can have on our Twitter. There, you know, you do it in the NHL from the day you're suspended to the day you get back your salary sacrifice to the. I think it goes to the you know the players' association for a benevolent fund or something. Can't remember what it goes to, but you know, just maybe for a bit of discussion in the future. Yeah. The bottom line here, lads, despite this being the major talking point, is it was another victory for the Belfast Giants in Cardiff, and uh, Coach, you'll be happy another game-winning goal for Jeffrey Suez. Coaches Jeffrey Swez Watch is brought to you in association with Calibre. Swez is just getting better and better, boys. <laughs> and um, I, I was the first person, listen, you know me, I'm, a, I'm an honest person whenever it comes to what I see on the ice. And I've been the first person to say he's had, whilst he's still scoring goals and, and what have you, he's had a slow start by the Jeffrey Swez that we know and love. And just the last couple of weeks, He's up this physical play, which is something that we all felt from watching the games that he needed to do and needed to do dramatically because it's such a large part of his game. And he's now up that physical play and he's starting to come up with big game winning goals. And he's the Jeffrey, he's starting to become the, the Jeffrey Swayze that, that, uh, that we all know and love. You know, I, I, just to jump in on the back of coach there and, and, and you know, applaud Swayze and what he's done, but, you know, Swayze at the minute doesn't score a goal without Dustin Whitecotton's work. Dustin Whitecotton is a, a real ally to Jeff Swayze. I, mean, I think it's maybe about Swayze's last five goals. Um, Whitecotton's been the first assist on. You know, Whitecotton is providing the bulls for there and, and Swayze is putting them in the back of the net, no doubt about it. Whitecotton's been absolutely superb. And, you know, it was someone like, uh, it was it was Murph actually said right at the, the top of the season, you know, just watch the likes of Whitecotton. Just just keep your eyes on Watch him throughout the course of the game. Watch what he does. He does the small things fantastically well. I thought Whitecotton was immense in Coventry uh, last last weekend or the, the previous weekend. He was immense. He ran that game from start to finish. And, you know, I've, I've watched him more and more uh, as, a, as the season progresses. And he is another one who just gets better and better his and he's every team needs every team ding needs an x-factor player every team needs someone who is completely consistent the whole way through and white cotton for me has just been so consistently good um from start to finish and you're right david he's he's been a linchpin of our team as well neil the coach russell was brought to you in association with mohammed al-fayed's jackets company well moving on from the game against cardiff uh Unfortunately, the winning streak that the Giants had put together was snapped on Sunday night at the Motor Point Arena when the Belfast Giants suffered a 2-1 loss to the Sheffield Steelers. Join us now, friend of the show, Mr. Mark Hitchcock. How are you, mate? I'm good, yeah, thank you. Uh, Hitchy, there's been, it's been all changed in Sheffield. But since last time we spoke, there needed to be a change. They needed to turn the corner. There have been a few injuries, a few suspensions, but you brought in play, a player like Rob Seriani and uh, Nate DiCasmero. And there has been that turn and, um, the victory on, the victory on Sunday night? Yeah, it's been, it's, it's been a, a nice change. Um, two, two great points there is the fact that they'd be brought in two players with, with great quality. Um, and, and secondly, the amount of points I'm getting on Scrabble now using them on, on the, uh, board has been phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> 
What do you think that? Do you think it has been that change? Because it was. It seemed to be a very. Well, I was there. It seemed to be a very, a very tight game between two very evenly matched sides. You yeah. actually, you actually came away didn't think it was a great game. No, I thought it was. Um, it was almost like two Doug Christiansen teams cancelling each other out. Um, it was a very strategic game, and it was. It, it, it never really got going. I think after both the first and the second period, I made a comment and said, "This one's gonna, you know, <laughs> it's gonna get going sooner rather than later," and it never really did. But to, to where Steelers were moving into the weekend, I think we realised, yes, we, we probably will go up without being arrogant to Fife and get some points, but we really were desperately in need of getting some points off either a Belfast or a Nottingham um, to really prove that we have title credentials. And I couldn't have cared less whether it was a flamboyant 7-0 win or a ground-out 2-1 victory where the put goes off the skate. For us, it was it was a win that we desperately, desperately needed, probably more so than car, um, than Belfast. The last time you were on the, the podcast, Hitchy, you, uh, you referred to Frank Doyle as flapping around like flipper on crack. Now, ever since that, he had a good game at Belfast. Oh, but he gave up one in Belfast, but he had a good game. He must have saved 30 or 39 shots. Um, you know, he's impressed the last few weeks. Were you impressed with him last weekend? Well, coach, it's, it's a well-known fact that some crack addicts die, but some actually reform themselves and become <laughs> law-abiding citizens. And I think I'd like to take full responsibility for the way uh, Frankie Doyle's turned himself around. He obviously listened to the, me on the podcast, cleaned up his ways, slipped onto the morphine and then on, onto uh, the straight and narrow. And he was absolutely brilliant on Sunday. I've, I can't remember the last time I saw a, a netminder save two penalty shots in in one game regard, apart from obvious penalty shootouts before you uh, shoot me down no pun intended um but he was he was definitely the man of the match um and and so many times over the last two or three years Stephen Murphy has stole the show in games against Sheffield it's quite nice to see one of our netminders stand tall and, and help us get the two points against Belfast and we, we, we all know that uh, Sheffield have like 54 imports, as Paddy uh, said last week. You know, obviously Galliardi's dis- disappeared and uh, and what have you. What were your kind of thoughts on Galliardi leaving? Was he someone that didn't impress you either as a fan in the stand? Or who else is going to go whenever Sheffield get back to full strength? Um I don't. I can't really re- recall much about the guy when I saw him play. I mean, I must have only seen two or three games when he was on the lineup and. Um, this has happened so many times before. I, I look back to years gone by when the Steelers were dominating in the 90s. Some of the best imports we ever had were imports we brought in during the season. Ken Priestley came in um, to the Steelers lineup about two or three months into the first season that he was with us, and he, he ended up being probably the best player we ever had. I think it's, it's a case that sometimes these higher quality imports do become available a month or two into the season rather than in the off season. And, in terms of who's going to leave next, I don't think I can make the call. Um, Christiansen knows what kind of team he wants to put together. There's been the the Finnish uh, import. I can't bloody say his name, but he, his name has been touted as the next one out the door. But he's been part of a pretty high performing line um, in the last few games. So your guess is as good as mine. But one thing's for sure, we need to get some of these people off the payroll because the people of Sheffield have got no money at the moment because they're buying so many 50-50 draw tickets. <laughs> Paddy, Paddy, you were you were at the game as well, obviously, because you were tweeting for AVFTV. It was, um, you know, the way you were kind of tweeting back and forward. Belfast, Belfast seemed to play quite well, but it seemed to be quite attritional as Hitchy is kind of intimidated as well. Yeah, I don't think there was much between these two sides. I think that <laughs> it, it, it went this way in that with regards to the periods of domination. I thought that Daryl Lloyd's goal was an absolute stunner. The fact that it was on the uh, on, on the uh, on the, uh, the short hand, it was on the penalty kill. He, the Steelers' power play was static. Now I actually remember the words that Hitchy was using. Just a matter of seats beside, far away from me, and the fact that his daughter was next to him, I'm not even going to comment. <laughs> You know, about how bad it was and what those words were. But he was absolutely right. And it was very steady. And Daryl Lloyd was able to muscle himself away from the boards, take the puck away, straight up ice, fired off the, go right across goal, off the, off the crossbar and into the net. I, I, I watched it again on the highlights and it was even better. It was a brilliant goal to be scored. However, the loss, you've got to take into account we had two penalty shots now. Jeffrey Suez's penalty shot, 
brilliant save. You know, he takes it right in, puts it on the back of the stick, tries to lift it, and he, as it was said on the uh, on the interview with Paul Eddie after, if it was a an inch higher, it's into the net, but it wasn't. It was straight into the glove of um, of Frank Doyle, who in his post game interview said that. He had made the decision to go late. Previously, he'd been going early and, and forcing the, forcing the player to make the decision after him. He went late on this one and it worked out well. Gareth Roberts, well, that's, it was, a, it was the right call. I haven't seen the replay. I know a lot of Steelers fans were wondering what the call was, but it, looking at the replay, it was the right call. The slash across the hands, even though it was yeah. slight. Even though, come on, you look, it, there was a slash across the hands. It was the right call. And see more contact at WrestleMania. <laughs> the, um, but then you've got to put it in the case that Gareth Roberts, brilliant, stepping in under that third line with Adam Keith not being there, he was clear on on goal, so he had to, he was the one who had to take the penalty shot, probably his first penalty shot at that level of professional hockey. He was quite slow in, he took, he took the shot early, it was straight into the glove, it was pretty simple for, for, for Frank Doyle, but when you've got two penalty shots in the game and you lose by a goal, that, that's where the fingers are going to be pointed. Davey, would it be, would it, Davey, do you think, um, obviously, Sheffield were minus Gord Baldwin, a huge presence for them after a stamp on, on Suez and Belfast, uh, the previous week. But the Giants were minus the heartbeat that is Adam Keefe of the organization, but also Chris Higgins. And, um, I'm about to use another ding here. Chris Higgins has shown that he's, is one of our X Factor players. Ding. Th- th- those are big, big misses for us. Yeah, we're we're certainly playing a couple of imports down there. Obviously, bringing Craig Peacock in has has been a big fill at the side. Likewise, you know, um, Sheffield have brought in Phil Hill. Interesting, I was chatting the other day there. There was probably fourteen British internationals um, on show between the two squads on Sunday night, and that's something that you know the league have been crying out for for the last ten years to try and develop. And did it really? You know, as the Hitchie and Paddy were at the game, did it really affect the game that much to have so many British players in the game? Well, personally, I think it's a, a testament to the players on display that you don't really look on the ice and think, oh, the Brit line's on. You know, so many of those British players are as high a quality as, uh, as, as any of the imports on the ice. Um, and for me, it's, it's, it's fantastic to see so many British, British players doing well at the, in the, in, in the two, in the two biggest teams, in my opinion, in the, in the elite league. <laughs> um, so, f- fantastic. I mean, you, you talk about the, the goal of the night was Belfast's. The goal of the night in Belfast was a Sheffield goal from Dowd and players like Dowd and, and Phillips, um, and and for the Belfast Giants as well, I think Murphy for me is still your number one Brit. I mean these these players, they could they could make a name for themselves anywhere. And I wish it's a discussion for another day. I wish some of them gave it a little bit longer abroad. Uh, I have to, I have, sorry, I have, just to deject there, I have to agree. The fact that the British player, it is a testament to where this league has come. Is the fact that you know we talked about Craig Peacock. Everybody's talked about Craig Peacock coming into the Belfast side as being a massive boost. That's a British player who's okay, didn't make it abroad, but coming into the Belfast team, massive boost to the team. Not a, not an import, a British player. Same with Phil Hill. Everybody's shocked that Phil Hill was was dispensed with in Cardiff and Sheffield. You know, talking to Doug Christensen after the game, he couldn't believe that a player like that will fall into your lap at this point of the season. A British player of great talent, and you don't make the the, for, the top end Brits. You don't make this distinction that much anymore because the league is getting better. The British play, players are developing, and that that's how the elite league is running at the minute. And it is actually really good to see. I will, I will, I will, I will, I will also point out that before the game, there was a um, a presentation to to Hewitt and to was it Phillips, Mark Thomas, Mark Thomas, it was, Mark Thomas, yeah, yeah, about for the for the um, spending for them lacking in any sort of ambition and staying for five hundred games with the uh, with the Sheffield Steelers and fair play to them. Well, I'd like to say as well, we've just got on record the exact words from Patrick Smith. Um, C. Peacock came back to Belfast and he's not an import, he's British. So uh, there you go. <laughs> Hitchy, see with regards to, to the Sheffield fan base and, and Doug Christensen, you know, obviously the Belfast uh, fans now have... Um, you know, split loyalties with, with Doug. You know, some fans are saying, you know, I'm glad to see the back of him all of a sudden. You know, our power play was static. It was horrendous. You know, he's abandoned us. He's up, up and left and gone to Sheffield. He was very vocal about his big budget and very vocal about the quality of import that he was bringing in. And, and he did bring in quality imports. But, you know, I suppose the question's twofold. Are the Sheffield fan base still yet to be convinced by Doug? And secondly, you know, does that kind of fall into the camp of he's now 
he's now had to change things around already. You know, is Doug's recruiting not as good as we all maybe kind of think it is? Or, um, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't get it right first time and he's been given the resource by Tony Smith to go and rectify it, which is a good thing. But, you know, he's had, he's had to make quite a few changes already. Well, with regards to your first point about convincing the Steelers fans, there's only two ways you can convince Sheffield fans because um, we've been a victim of our own success over the last 20 years. And it's the first thing you can convince us with is trophies, and the second thing is wins against Nottingham. So that really is the top, the, the top and the bottom of it. And I've, I, I personally believe that Christiansen's hockey isn't the most desirable um, brand of hockey that that we're likely to see in Sheffield, but. What we needed is somebody who has a track record, has won trophies, isn't a bench coach. Uh, I mean, sorry, isn't a player coach. That is a bench coach because I think that's important. Although the last person to bring any degree of success was Ben Simon. Simon. But for me, we need some stability now. Um, And yeah, we brought him in. I was I was delighted to see because it is a big coup when when you bring a coach in from one of your major rivals. I can remember when Blaisdell and Dampier came over from Nottingham. It was a massive coup for us, and it it does kind of make you feel like you still are the team that players and coaching staff want to be at. But he needs to he needs to deliver results. He needs to deliver trophies. And whether or not he got his recruitment wrong at the start, I'm not so sure. I still think on paper, the Steelers team entered the season was most people's tips for the title. And I don't think there was just Sheffield fans saying that. Genuinely, on paper, the players that we brought in with the calibre, I mean, we've got some great players out injured, remember, that have been replaced with more quality. Um, I think at the business end of the season, we'll be there or thereabouts. And if you look back two, three years you'd have been hard-pressed to find anybody in the um, fabulous uh, Trent FM arena who wanted to keep Corey Nielsen. And look at him now. You know, Not one of them would want to lose him. Um, so I think it's important for us to give him time, at least give him this season. And I think we will get a trophy out of this season. And of course, there's the first four-point weekend for the, for the Sheffield Steelers, so it is that platform for them to kick on. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, it's it's crazy to think we're we're in late October and it's mm. our our first four point weekend. But it's a it's a competitive league, and I suppose the the good the, the good thing about the, the beginning of the season, the way it's structured now, is that the Challenge Cup it's probably more difficult not to qualify than it is to qualify from the first round. And if we were going to get into our stride and lose some poor games and have some poor performances at least we've done it in a lot of dead rubber games you know we're going to be into the quarterfinals of the challenge cup we're there or thereabouts in the early stages of the league campaign the playoffs is an absolute lottery for me nottingham progressing to the next round is a good thing for sheffield and belfast because it's a distraction um it's three extra games i won't be surprised if they made the super finals i don't want them to win it but they could you know get all the way to the finals weekend and I would not be surprised that at the end of the season we're sat chatting about the title running and it's actually going to be a Sheffield and Belfast head-to-head. Petty, you've had, obviously, Doug Christensen now for the guts of two months. Mm -hmm. As power play tactics in Belfast were lamented, is that something that you've seen as being a poor point for Sheffield? Obviously, their statistics on the power play are dreadful this season. Mm -hmm. You know, um, overall, home and away combined, they're ninth out of, you know, out of all the teams across both conferences, is this something that have you noticed that a bit of a static power play? Yeah, absolutely. I think they've only had one decent game on the power play, and that was Cardiff at home, wasn't it, last weekend, mm. uh, the one before last. Um, I said it to Paddy on uh, on Sunday night, and I'll say it till the cows come home. I am more confident of a scoring shorthanded than yeah. I am on the power play. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, went, I, went, I went to Nottingham and saw us shorthanded. We looked phenomenal, to the point that I was, I was screaming at the referee when he didn't give us two minutes. Um, <laughs> Power play is worrying. I mean, I've seen some great power plays and I've seen some poor power plays, but there just doesn't seem to be that sense of urgency to to get the puck on the net. And funnily enough, when Sirianni first signed, there was a lot of tweets flying around because he came out all guns blazing, scoring goals for fun in that first few, a couple of games. And people made the joke and say, well, he hasn't been coached yet. And that is one of the elements that I think people criticise the Doug Christensen brand of hockey for. It's, as soon as you get a clear sight on the goal, just bloody shoot the puck. Not under this tic-tac-toe, perfect opportunity, get it on. Just just shoot the puck at the goal. Things will happen. And I actually think that the first goal um, against Belfast on Sunday night was testament to that. It was mm-hmm. scrappy. But once he got the opportunity, he, he just pinged it into the goal. 
The second goal was absolutely fantastically orchestrated off his skate. <laughs> um, and I, I don't know if you've discussed whether that one should have stood, but at the end of the day, you get it dirty yeah, and true. you get it into the right areas, then you deserve to get that lucky bounce and that lucky goal. I haven't seen it again on, on the replay. I actually do think it should have stood. I think there's no actual clear kicking motion on it. It is just an unfortunate situation. But it was that tight, tight a game that something like that was going to be the, the turning point, was going to be the winner. Because mm. about midway through the, midway through the, uh, the third period, I was already thinking about overtime and penalty shots. Of course, we'd already missed two penalty shots by that, so I was already thinking about overtime. You know, yeah. then that, that, that's how far I was going. It did show how tight those two teams were. I think that's something that we're going to have to, as a club, recognise a weakness too. You know, we've gone to Nottingham. Um, going, and, going and getting a point in Nottingham, going and getting a point in Sheffield is good. In both games, we've came up in the last three, four minutes of the game and ended up losing, yeah. um, you know, a one-goal game. It's something that we need to, you know, be be strong enough defensively to say, right, let's take a point here and, and see what happens in the lottery of overtime and penalty shots. You know, it's just something that we need to smarten up on. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Smith. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Mark Hitchcock's involvement in the podcast, sponsored by British Telecom or Aircom, depending on the target audience. Moving on from that, the Nottingham Panthers took part in Continental Cup uh, competition this weekend at the fabulous Trent FM Arena, as the, as Hitchy just called it. Um, Owen Bradley was working for the BBC, and after the first game, he got to take uh, this interview with Corey Nielsen. It's quite interesting. Corey, how do you feel about the performance tonight? Despair. Why despair? We're awful. What was it that most frustrated you about that then? Everything. You went ahead early. We disappointed that you didn't push on after going one goal up. Yes. What would you have liked to have seen done better by your players? Anything. What will you say to them ahead of tomorrow? I don't have the words right now. Do they share your frustration at what's happened this evening? I'm uncertain. What have you said to them when you've had them back in the room just Nothing. now? Then? As you can tell, Corey Nielsen was uh, was very, very talkative in that interview. And the man who uh, asked him, I had to, you know, basically try to get a word in edgeways. It was the BBC's Owen Bradley. Owen, thanks for joining us. Not a problem, guys. That's a tough interview to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was good fun in a way. Um, we kind of knew it was coming. Myself and Mick Collins, who, who works for the Nottingham Post, uh, are generally the two media guys post-match uh, in Nottingham. And... Yeah, it, it took Corey a bit of time to come out from his office and, it, and he had that look that said, I don't really want to do this. And you knew from the first answer, really, that it, it was going to be tough. But look, you know, I got great radio out of it. Uh, plenty of people are talking about it, talking about the game, talking about Nottingham and, and talking about my work as well. And, and most of what I've heard has been positive about me. So personally, not I don't mind it at all. It shows it's a lot better, that an interview like that, than the old cliches of, you know... We'll go away. We'll draw the positives from this, and we'll come back uh, stronger tomorrow. Yeah, well, exactly. You know, you know, Corey Nielsen. He was sending a message to his players, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and, and if he wants to use me to do that and and use the radio station, as long as we're getting good radio for it, I don't have a problem with it. And I thought that's exactly what it was. And yeah, he could have come out and said we were good enough tonight. We'll be better tomorrow. But, you know, we hear that so often from every coach. You know, the, the number of press releases I get with, basically, you just substitute the names and the clubs in. Uh, and that's across all sports. You know, it was good to get something a bit different, a bit interesting. And, you know, we're talking about it now, aren't we? And we wouldn't have yeah. been if he'd have just said, you know, let's be better tomorrow. Well, the, I saw that. Sorry, sorry Paddy. I, know, I saw a lot of debate on on Twitter, Owen, as well. And, you know, quite a lot of people were saying, fantastic, well done, Owen, on sticking in there. But how disrespectful of, of Corey. I actually took, it'll be interesting to hear your view on it, but I actually took the opposite opinion um, in terms of, I actually think in a lot of ways it showed how close he is with you that he was able to conduct that type of interview because, yes, it may well have come across as abrupt, but, you know, I still felt that it was more geared or more pointed towards his players as opposed to any um, any negativity that he would have towards you or journalists uh, uh, per se. Would that, would that be how you would take it on? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly how I felt. Um, you, you know, it was clearly directed at his players. You know, since since then on, on Sunday, 
you know, we had a bit of fun with him on Saturday night when Mick Collin interviewed him after the game and then I interviewed him again on Sunday and we had a bit of a laugh about it then and, and he was saying to me, you know, how difficult was it to keep going when I was doing that on Friday? So, you know, you know, it's 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 how the game is played really and you have relationships and you know what would have been disrespectful for me is if Corey hadn't have come out to speak to us and I've been there with football managers before where they've refused to come out now I think that is disrespectful um but like I say I, I don't think there's there's a healthy respect between me and Corey and uh, and like I say he, he if he's going to give me great radio like that I don't mind okay this is all based around the um the Continental Cup competition that the Nottingham Panthers took part in this weekend as the Elite League champions. Um, and it started off actually maybe a few days before, Owen, with the fact that there was due to be a team from Estonia and they mm-hmm. were actually replaced by a team from Spain when uh, when there were visa problems. Yeah, well, that's exactly what happened. Um, so so Tallinn, uh, Viking Sport Tallinn from Estonia, won the first round of the Continental Cup, won Group A. Um, and they had, I think they had about a month to get their visas sorted, basically three weeks probably. And they got all the letters that they needed from from this side of of the water, from from Ice Hockey UK. And for whatever reason, they sat on it. And so when they did go to make the visa applications, I think they had a couple of Russians in the side, and they struggled. And and, and as soon as you know local MPs got involved, as soon as they realised there was a problem, the Panthers and Ice Hockey UK moved to try and get it sorted. Um, they were they were looking at options like you know could they recruit a couple of other players from their league you know that wasn't really going to work so then they went well who else could we invite and they invited the second place team who were the Spanish who came and I think they won themselves a lot of friends over the weekend yeah I think the, the first game was against the Spanish and that interview was came from. Uh after the game against that Spanish team, and even though the Panthers had won 5-3, it seems that Corey was certainly not happy with the performance. Well, the effort was there from Nottingham. I think I, I think after watching all three of the Spanish games, he may have felt a little bit differently, but but they they just weren't good enough to, to break them down. I think it was almost a case of what they were trying to do was... They were so bad in a way that they weren't falling for the tricks, which is which sounds disrespectful. It's not intended to be, but you know, this is a team that is two years old. I think the Spanish team, so you know, that they're not going to be absolute pros. Um, but they put up a good fight in all three games over the weekend. Against Nottingham, yeah, Nottingham weren't good enough, uh, and that's exactly what Corey said in very few words in the interview to me afterwards. But mm. they got better over the weekend, and the schedule suited them from that point of view. Absolutely. And then the next night, the, Corey Nielsen obviously got the reaction that he wanted from his players when they defeated the Hague seven three, putting them in the, the game on uh, on Sunday against Riga Juniors, is which was somewhat of a final to reach the next round, which they won three one. A great weekend for the for. The Nottingham Panthers and those two responses sorry those two uh, results show that uh, Corey Nielsen's approach did get the response he wanted yeah and they got better throughout the weekend I I think the way the schedule was designed helped them in that regard as well you know the plan was that they would they would the competition would get tougher and I think everybody knew it would come down to Nottingham or or Riga Juniors who were a good little team by the way Uh, there's a lot of talent on that squad but you know Corey's approach he does his homework. He, he was as prepared as he could be. I, I think if they'd have been playing the Estonian team on the first night, the result would have been different because they'd have been more prepared. They knew nothing about the Spanish. So, you know, you, you can't really argue with the job that they did in the end, especially as they did it on the Friday, on the, the Sunday, rather, losing <coughs> a couple of important players. There's a lot of talk about that game on the Sunday and about the refereeing that took place, and it was very different to, different to the refereeing that we get in the Elite League. Of course, the Elite League refereeing always gets its critics. We always have talk about, you know, that they're calling, in, they're inconsistent. But again, looking at the, the way that the game was played in Sunday, did you see that it was, it was refereed in a better way or just a different way? Um, I think different. I think different. I mean, to deal with the major incidents, Corey had no argument, and there can be no argument, by the way, with the with the two misconducts that were given out because fighting double IHF. Everybody knows you do that, you're gone. Mm. Uh, beyond that, I mean, the referee apparently said some interesting things down on the ice. He was saying to the Panthers players uh, who were playing a hitting game, he was saying, "Take it easy. These these are only kids." Well, you know, it's, it's a man's game, and if they're no, on I the ice, they they got to play. They got to play in those rules. I mm-hmm. think I think Corey was quite upset about that on the on the Sunday night, but. Um, but, you know, the referee, it, they're always going to get stick. Nobody's ever going to be happy. Hopefully, when they get to the next round, when they have the four-man system, uh, things will improve in, in those terms. But I think it was just, I think it was a bit of unfamiliarity from the players, maybe from the fans, maybe from the commentary teams as well. We're not quite used to that style, but yeah, mm. he, he wasn't great, I would say. 
the Panthers are obviously moving on now to, to Italy. They've done very well getting past that first round. Moving on to Italy now, like what's what's Corey's or what what are the players' expectations and, and moving on? Obviously, it's it's going to be an upgrade in terms of, of, of teams and what have you. What are the expectations there? Um, I, I think they're quite. I think they're quietly confident that they can make an impact. Certainly, I mean, Asiago, the hosts, are going to be the lowest ranked team, which is which is a strange one. Uh, Nottingham could have had a shot at hosting this round of the tournament if the dates had worked out, but unfortunately they didn't. Beyond that, you know, I haven't had time to look at rosters yet from the Russian team or the Kazakhstan team, but you, you would guess in terms of quality that they will be the favourites. Nottingham have kind of hinted that they might want to add one or two bodies. Who they'll get is is anyone's guess if they get anyone at all. Um, it, it, you know what? It's difficult to know, but I quite like that unknownness about it. You know, it's nice to have a bit of predictability, uh, unpredictability rather. You know, we see the same teams in the league an awful lot, and I think that's why I enjoyed the weekend so much. And this is really the representation of the elite, the elite league, sorry, the representation of UK hockey at, at European level. And it was probably going to be, especially it being hosted in Nottingham in the UK as a bit of a showpiece event. Unfortunately, the crowds maybe weren't as great as as, the, as Nottingham had hoped. No, the crowds weren't weren't quite there. Uh, the Saturday night, just looking at the figures, um, was the best attended game which surprised me slightly i thought more may turn out on a sunday but um but you know i think with there's been so many games that that panthers fans have had to pay for recently you know games that aren't on the season ticket it was a big ask to ask them to to fork out for something else um especially with it being the six games as an event i think it was quite well supported the the first games uh the games that nottingham weren't involved in they certainly got better attendances than anybody really hoped for, certainly than the IHF hoped for. And I think the IHF were actually very pleased with the attendances. It's Nottingham and, and maybe the UK community that have been less impressed with them. But, you know, you can't argue with the job. I think they marketed it and they did everything they could and they did it in the right way. Unfortunately, if people don't have the, the pennies at the moment, they're not going to come to the hockey. And, that, and that's understandable as well. Owen, I was I was noted that um, Corey Nielsen single Jonathan Weaver out for a lot of praise um, following the weekend, and we were just talking to the guys earlier there about you know the British development and that you know Sheffield Belfast game at the weekend had had more than a dozen what do we call quality top end British players. You know you've got mm. the boys that have been there for years, the Shields, the Murphys, Phillips, Thomas, sort of coming out for for Sheffield and Belfast and now you've got the likes of Dyde and Peacock really you know coming to take over in Nottingham you have the likes of, of Clark and Weaver who have been there done it for years and now you've got young Robert Lakovich coming through is there anyone else in the system there is Lako going to stay in Nottingham do you think or is there anyone else coming through the system that are going to be big names in the British game uh, there's a young guy called Ollie Petridge who's who's kind of tipped for big things, kind of lower down lower down the age groups. He's played for Nottingham before, and I think they're hopeful that he might develop into something. Um, the, the other name that, that he's being forgotten, and he's actually been singled out for for an awful lot of praise as well. And um, people forget how young he is. Is Steve Lee? I mean, S- Steve Lee, Corey Nelson said we're going to struggle to keep hold of him because he was fantastic at the weekend. So as much as he praised Jonathan Weaver, and deservedly so, by the way. I think the quote was a young dinosaur with the, the minutes that we were played and the way that he played. But Steve Lee has been playing some fantastic hockey for the last 18 months, two years, and he started this season so well. Him and him and Lacko, if Nottingham keep, can keep hold of those two, I think they'll be set for, set for a long time. But, you know, a lot of conversations about, you know, advancing the British game and, and ambition and everything like that. I'd love to see those two guys go to Europe or go to North America and really make an impact and stick it out. Nottingham had to really go out and try to rebuild the team, considering that you know with the championship team that they had last year, which is probably unquestionably one of the best teams ever to skate in the elite league. But having lost the likes of of Fox and Ling and these guys, they really had to go out there and, as I say, rebuild. Um, I heard on Sunday night there was an injury to to Brent Henley, which is probably a real knock for the Panthers. Uh, they've lost Werner. How do you think that this team are shaping up at the minute, especially like leading into the game this Friday against the Belfast Giants? I know that Lee Salters has maybe been a been a real um, shining light. Yeah, Lee Salters has been fantastic, um, and, and in fact, the midget line, I don't know if we can still call them that, but Matt, Fra- <laughs> Matt Francis, Rob Lakovic, and now Lee Salters, we probably can't. They've been they've been incredible, and they've led the way pretty much all season. I guess to sum Nottingham up, with the exception of the big win they had in Coventry, 
I don't really think they've put a full performance together. I think there's still there's still a lot to come from them, which is scary for other teams when you look at their record, only losing the one game. So, But it's about whether they can get to that level. They just seem to always do enough to keep teams at arm's length and they never really step it up beyond that. I think they've got it in them. But like you say, the possible injury to Brent Henley, not sure how serious that will be. I think he's still listed as doubtful for, for the weekend. You know, that, that could be big. They've already had, already had to bring in Nick Anderson on defence in place of Eric Werner. And to be fair, Nick Anderson has done a pretty good job. I like the way the team's uh, stepping up. By the way, Tom Norton, I think, has been great. And it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a damn shame that he wasn't given the opportunity last season uh, f- for reasons of, you know, import limits and things like that. But... um Maybe they just need a little bit more. Maybe they just need one more. Maybe an out-and-out goal scorer. But you say that, you know, they're getting points from everywhere and they're doing pretty well, so you can't argue with that. Oh, and the uh, the two players that stood out for me the most last year across the entire Elite League were Bruce Graham and David Ling. Now, mm-hmm. I, I always get slated for it by, by, by saying this, but, you know, they were two X-Factor players. Ding. And, Ding. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, they must be incredibly <laughs> difficult to replace you know, have Nottingham replaced them? I, I kind of sense from Corey's interviews this season, not just talking about the one he did with you last Friday evening, but kind of sense that he's just not a hundred percent satisfied compared to last year, where he was obviously very happy. We knew early doors that Nottingham were a special team last year. You know, would it be fair to say he's just not a hundred percent? He hasn't really replaced those guys. Um, I think Corey's attitude to it, and, and it's probably the right attitude, is it's wrong to look at replacing replacing people because every team is going to be built differently you know so so i think that's the first thing that he would say secondly um i think still this time last year there were plenty of panthers fans that wanted bruce graham off the team um that guy got a lot of stick early doors um you know and and it it just shows you that sometimes people need time you know he had his family settling and you know it takes a bit of time and he was as you say he was the x-factor guy for Nottingham alongside David Ling um I think Bob Wren was maybe brought in to be the David Ling kind of guy you know you know bags of experience bags of ability uh playing in the league for the first time in terms of that out and out goal scorer on the level of Bruce Graham maybe that more than anything is what they're missing but they're still getting points from all lines they're still getting guys playing well Matt Ryan's missed time with injury I think he'll be he'll be a really special player when he's back up to speed so they've got enough components there the issue you get is if you if you say okay I mean you've said you need a goal scorer or who do you get rid of that's where it gets difficult mm. because I think I think the team is quite well balanced um, I love the midget line, like I said, um, and I think you know any line with Brandon Benedict on it, as you guys know, Belfast mm-hmm. is a fantastic line. And by the way, what's always forgotten is last season he was on that line with Ling and with Graham, and the season before that he was on the line with Jordan Fox. That was the most fantastic line. You know, he's always the common thread there. But um, maybe it's just that goal scorer. Maybe that is just what they need. But um, but there's still a long way to go. And, and Nottingham didn't really hit their stride until till about Christmas last year which is ironic for the Panthers but you know it, it's still in terms of the league what Nottingham have played six games there's not been that many games played so far so mm-hmm. long way to go well obviously this Friday is going to be a fantastically tight game I think the Belfast Giants will be all out to try to avenge what happened in the NIC but it'd be a miss to let you go Owen without asking you a quick question We've got our, we've got our very own Neil the coach Russell here he's taking the venture into a bit of commentary <laughs> or a bit of colour commentary and a bit oh, yeah. of that. And a few post-game interviews, and I think this week, this weekend, he's looking to maybe have a few words with uh, with Corey Nielsen. Have you any any tips for the man? Um, there's a question. Um, get him on a good day. Um, no, um, <laughs> pre-game then, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, um, you know what, Corey? If you ask, if you ask good questions, Corey will give you good answers. And if you talk hockey and you've paid attention, Corey will give you good answers. What he doesn't like. And this is true for any coach, any player, is somebody who, who frankly hasn't watched the game properly and, and asked something stupid. And that's, that's true of everyone, isn't it? You know, like I, you know, if you ask anybody a stupid question, they don't like it. So Corey will be completely fair with you. He's always been fair to me and, and, and I'm sure he'll be like that with you on, on Friday night. And as somebody who's been on the end of a, a, a Corey Nielsen bar mm-hmm. for a stupid question, I know exactly how that feels. Uh, <laughs> thanks very much for joining us, mate. We really appreciate it. Pleasure, boys. Take care. The BBC's Owen Bradley was brought to you by no sponsor.
Looking ahead this weekend, Coach, you're back behind the mic. You'll be joined by Nigel Ringland about the game against the Nottingham Panthers. Um, it's going to be a very tight one. The Panthers coming off that weekend, last weekend, with the, the Continental Cup. They look like they might have an injury to Brent Henley, a bit of a knee injury after an incident in the in the game against Riga. But, as I said, with the loss against the Sheffield Steelers, the Giants will be looking to get right back on that horse. Absolutely, and I know we've said already, you know, with Adam Keith been missing, it's a massive loss for us. But let's not forget Henley missing for Nottingham Panthers is equally as big for them. Um, as Owen mentions, um, you know, he, this guy played 35, 40 minutes in the East, East Coast Hockey League nearly every game last year. And, you know, we're, um, we've got to be disappointed with her, with walking away with no points from, from Sheffield last week. Judging by what I read and from what you've kind of said, we, we probably deserved at least a point out of it, and I just, you know, I hope, I hope we come out. You know, it's a bit, it's always a massive game against the Nottingham Panthers. It's always a good crowd in, always good atmosphere. Um, Panthers dominated us last year, um, so they did, and you know they've built another powerful side again this year. I watched their highlights from last weekend. The one man, and I waxed lyrical about him last year. The one man um, that I think is. Probably the most underrated player in the elite league is Matt Francis. This guy comes up with a serious amount of goals every single season. He's into his third year now with the Panthers, and this guy's a proven performer. He's knocking goals in for fun, and Nottingham are going to be a big, big um, test for us. K Wall and goal, always a top performer, probably the best netminder in the league, and uh, you know we're going to have to play well to get past them. Dave, you mentioned it earlier, the fact that the Belfast Giants becomes a closing out these games, these lapses in the last five minutes, and it was in the NIC that Matt Francis was able to, to skip through and sort of steal the game after the Giants had just pulled level. The games between the Giants, the Steelers and the Panthers, a lot of people are already saying at this stage of the season that these could be the ones that, the, that decide where the title goes this year. These real clutch games, Giants have to start getting points from getting one point, getting two points, making sure that they're taking something out of every game here against what you would class as their, your competitors. You know, I think it will be at the end of the season it'll be t- between Sheffield, ourselves, and Nottingham for the title, I think. You know, Coach has made a very good point there. Matt Francis has got speed. He's got something you can't coach into a player, and he's, he's got something that's very, very hard to defend against. When you've got a player that fast and that skillful, he, he's going to score a lot of goals. For them, mentioned earlier as well, Lee Salters is a big body, something like 6'4", 225 pounds. You know, he's going to take a lot of stop, and he, I think he's at about 20 points already, 12 games this season. You know, his stats don't lie. He's a big lad, and he's going to he's, he's going to be the man to stop. I think this weekend. But we've got at the back end. We have got Cody Brookwell. We've got Alfring, Mason, Sandrock. We've got a good decor there, and in front of Stephen Murphy, we've got every every opportunity here to get the puck. They are they are good forwards. Sway's playing well. Surratt, although he had a streak snap there the weekend. You know, he's been scoring points for fun. This is a game that we can absolutely take two points from, and I think. As long as it's not a three-point night, I think that'll be a very good result for Belfast this weekend. Uh, Coach, one of the players that scored against the, the Nottingham Panthers in the NIC was Chris Higgins. Now, Chris Higgins has been out with an injury, a bit of a concussion that he gained against the Cardiff Devils a couple of, a couple of weeks ago. Um, speaking with the interview that's on SoundCloud with Paul Eddy following the game against the Sheffield Steelers, he spoke about how Chris Higgins will be back in training and possibly back, you know, he was he sat out the Sheffield game as maybe one more game before coming back this weekend. He's been a key player in it, but however, with with Adam Keith being out, we are we are able to put him into a position, but when Keith comes back, well, that's another question we'll speak about in, a, in a, probably in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, but Higgins will be a key player. Uh, absolutely, and he was... He was probably for me, along with White Cotton, Elfring, um, where he was the standout player. Um, you know, he, he does, as Davy says, you get you see certain players on the ice, and you think just give them carte blanche to, to go and do what they want to do because they've got. If I'm going to say it again, boys, they've got the X factor. They ding. They, they, they do the things that other players can't do, and they, they come up with plays that other players don't come up with, and they're inventive, they're creative. And, you know, a wee bit like, say, nostalgia again, look back to Sean Burns. You just let him, I always remember Whistle saying, you, you, don't, you don't really overcoach Sean Burns. I think Higgins is a bit the same. Just let them go because they have the skill sets that can tear apart a defence. And a bit like Matt Francis at Nottingham, just let him go, just let him play. 
And Higgins, you know, he came up with that game on a goal against uh, against Sprayhead. He scored for the Giants over in Nottingham. He, he's he's a quality quality player. And I think he was back in the ice last week and uh, back skating. And I think this week is probably his first full week of maybe taking the body and all the rest as well. So I really really hope he's back on Friday night. If he's back on Friday night, I see us as strong contenders to take the two points. And of course, that game will be available from the guys at GiantsLive.tv, uh, 7 p.m. on Saturday night. Uh, Friday night. Friday night. Thanks, Coach. Just making sure that was a test to make sure you turned up on the right day. On the right day. <laughs> Friday night, Nigel Ringland and our very own Neil, the Coach Russell, behind the mic for that. And of course, Coach, you'll be uh, incredibly um, bipartisan and that, totally, totally neutral uh, on the eve of the, of, uh, the, the date that we always like to bring up. I will, without doubt, at some stage during the 60-minute game, I will no doubt bring up the infamous brawl that uh, that happened at the Odyssey Arena. The three of us were there that night. We'll never forgive. We'll never forget. <laughs> Davey will definitely, definitely never forgive and never forget. But, um, you know, absolutely. And these games always have a bit of spice in them. Maybe not as much in the last couple of years as maybe there has been in years gone by. I think that's... I think that's more of a reflection of how the league has kind of panned out. And you hear the coaches and you hear the players post these games saying, you know, it's too big a game to be, you know, having two or three fights and all the rest and uh, in these games. But, you know, listen, let's just wait and see if it's a physical game. You know, you never know. You might you might see the gloves been dropped um, on a couple of occasions on, on Friday night. But, uh, you know, it's going to be a real, it should be a barnstormer of a game. The Sheffield game last week. Week at home was was a good game of hockey. It was a good crowd, great atmosphere, and let's hope for something uh, similar in Friday night. You know, I, as as coach mentioned there, I I had to write. Uh, it was approximately nine hundred words. I think the article for this week's top shelf. Um, available at the game for a good price on Friday night, you know, if you want to read about it. And you'll be surprised to know that I, I barely mentioned the game that happened uh, one day short of 11 years ago. Um, it was interesting to hear. Corey Cardander hasn't forgot about it. I haven't forgot about it. Many, many Giants fans haven't forgot about it. As James Glover said to me today, a lot of forklifts have went under that bridge since. But I said to him, you know, it may as well have happened yesterday for some of us. And, you know, it's good to have a rivalry, you know, whether it's requited or not doesn't matter to me you know they're always the team that I look to see when their fixtures are at the Odyssey and it's it's came up again this year that it's it's around the anniversary and you know as coaches said I'll not be forgiven I'll not be forgetting anybody and let's let's go Giants on Friday night (laughs) (laughs) and the very next night we travel to um the B team for the Nottingham Panthers, the Brayhead clan, <laughs> at the at the Brayhead Arena just outside of Glasgow to take on uh Rand Fennerty's team who um, well, give Coach one of his most exciting moments on behind the mic on their last visit. Uh, <laughs> it's going to be a very tough game because I think they might start. They've, they've had a few injury difficulties, a few suspensions, but they're starting to turn the corner now to be the team that many of us thought they would be, Coach. Yeah, but they're you know they've lost a man that really impressed me that night. I spoke to Finner after the game and got an interview with him and. And you know, the one player that really stood out for me was Nathan Moon, and he's now going back to the, the East Coast League. I think um, he was a he was a very skilled player. He was a gritty player. He was a wee bit like Daryl Lloyd, maybe a more skilled version of Daryl Lloyd. But um, you know, he's now disappeared. Kenton Smith has has um, come up with a with an injury, which is going to keep him out um, for a wee while yet. And you know, Finner's not Finner just doesn't seem to get it easy. But listen, see the bottom line in this, Paddy. See, if we have ambitions of winning the league, we have to go to places like Brayhead and pick up two points continually. It's going to be a tough game, but we have to come away from there with two points. Davey, they've lost Nathan Moon. Um, that looks like Kenton Smith has an injury. But uh, Chris Frank made his made his mark in the, at the Odyssey the last time he was there. And uh, there's and there's no uh, Adam Keefe again this time. Yeah, I think they're they're a different proposition in Glasgow than they are on the road. You know, um, they put up a very very big performance in Belfast the last time, and was that the good golly Miss Molly night? We scored with a, a few moments left. Yeah, absolutely, that was yeah, it. You know, um, they're, like a they're frog a in a blender. They're they're uh, they're a team that has to be taken very seriously. Um, who was it? Was that the game that Keith got three out of for the? No, it was Dundee yeah, the night before. It was Dundee the night before. Um, you know, Chris Frank left his left his mark on um, um, Daryl Lloyd. Still and, think uh, I was a dive, boys. Sorry. Well, that's up to that's up to Daryl Lloyd to you know answer that bail. It'll be interesting competition there. Frank's a big body. 
Lloyd's as competitive as anybody, you know. So uh, hopefully we'll go into Glasgow, get the two points and, and get on the ferry home sharp. It seems like there's a lot of Belfast Giants fans travelling over for it as well. So it should be a really good atmosphere if you want to keep in touch. Now, I'm, I'm going to make... Are, are you going, Patrick? I am driving up for are, it. Are you wearing your onesie? <laughs> I think I'll leave my onesie behind. Um, it's a, it needs washed. Um, I am going to. I, I am intending on providing updates on at AVFTV on Twitter. However, knowing the Brayhead Arena, knowing that it's in the middle of a shopping centre, and knowing that three G might not be the most uh, readily thing to be available in that, uh, we'll see how it goes. But at AVFTV on Twitter for any updates to that game, gentlemen. Always I'm sure, Patrick. There, <laughs> if you if you get in touch with our good friend Gareth Chalmers, there he might be able to hook you up to the Wi-Fi. <laughs> I might be, I might be having a word. I might be having a word. Yeah, but gentlemen, thank you very much. It's been, it's been a long and eventful show, but uh, always a pleasure. Cheers, Patrick. A view from the bridge is almost better than Cartoon Network. Cartoon Network's far better than this show. Thanks to uh, Hitchy, thanks to Owen, thanks to uh, Sky Hitchcock for that little piece, and thanks to Davy and the coach for. Oh, a fantastic show, very enjoyable to do, and jam packed with all sorts of information. Um, also, yeah, thanks to Edgy for making our show sound like a Sheffield Steelers home game with all those advertisements, but uh, I really enjoyed listening to those. Um, I will point you towards our SoundCloud account. That's soundcloud.com forward slash AVFTV. Anytime we do an interview live from the arena, we'll be sticking it right up on that on that website, which will also link to Twitter. So you can go to at AVFTV on Twitter to find out when they go online. You can go to the website, www.kingdomofthegiants.com forward slash podcast, or you can send us an email if you want to get in touch, podcast at kingdomofthegiants.com. We do have the game on Friday night. That is with uh, giantslive.tv if you can't get down to the arena, but I would recommend getting down to the arena because I know that that's going to be a cracking game. But if you can't, Nigel Ringland, Neil the Coach Russell, giantslive.tv, Friday, 7 p.m. And on Saturday, 7 p.m., live at Brayhead Arena. I'm hoping to give some sort of updates at the a- at AVFTV Twitter account, which will also have a display on the front of the kingdomofthegiants.com website. So keep an eye on the website for that and uh, well it's been a very eventful week we're a day late with this podcast and I apologise for that however wherever you are this weekend we hope you enjoy your hockey and we'll catch you here next time on A View From The Bridge Please note that a view from the bridge, Kingdom of the Giants, and more importantly, Patrick Smith, have received no money for the spoof advertisements placed within this podcast. It was a satirical exercise and should not be taken seriously. This public service announcement is sponsored by Weetabix. Sports Social Podcast Network.